So ordinarily, we have everything way out in the field, but we put a church on top of the field, and so we had to adapt. And so uh, this weekend, we're doing things a little different for Splash, but what hasn't changed is that this is a celebration of people who were far away from God, who drew close to God. This is a celebration of people who were spiritually dead, who are now alive. This is a people who are celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ has changed their whole life. Uh, you know, one of the, the thoughts I had um, months ago, actually, when I was thinking about this message and capturing notes and writing this message, uh, is I was, I was just kind of struck. And through my um, study this summer, I was struck again by this one, um, this one theme that I'm seeing in the Scriptures over and over again, and the Spirit of God is just laying it on my heart. We're actually going to be doing a lot of work on this theme in this next year as we're teaching and the different things we're going to bring forward. And it, it has to do with the, the capacity we have to fool ourselves. I mean, have you ever fooled yourself? Has anyone thought they had this much in their checkbook, only to find out they had this much in their checkbook? Okay, only me, I guess, the rest of you are... And anybody thought, man, I'm in good shape, you know, until you actually had to do some kind of physical activity and you realize, wow, there were more stairs there than I thought. You know, has anyone ever, ever been in a place where you think relationships are good, wife, kids, and then only to come home and realize, maybe I haven't been realizing what's going on. You know, we have the temptation to, 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 to overestimate and, and to fool ourselves. Now, now, what, what strikes me about this theme I see in the scripture is that one of the most serious areas that we can fool ourselves in is our spiritual condition. Is our spiritual condition. And, 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 and to fool ourselves about what kind of standing we have with God. That is to say, whether or not we really are followers of Jesus Christ, really are, whether or not we are people who, who truly Christians. And here's the big thing, whether or not we're people who are actually on their way to heaven. Because here's one of the themes that I've just seen in the study I've done in preparation for this coming year, is that over and over and over again, the scriptures warns that there are many, many people. Listen now. There are many, many people who think they're going to heaven and they're not. Let me just say that again. There are many, many people who think they're going to heaven, and they're not. Let me just share something that Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does my Father's will, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do prophecy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. You did a lot of religious stuff. You did a lot of God stuff, but I never knew. He says, depart from me, for you're actually a person who breaks all of my rules and lives in this thing called lawlessness. The book of 2 Corinthians actually challenges it on this point. It tells us to examine yourself to see if you are in faith, to see if your faith is real. He says, test yourself, or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is inside of you unless you fail the test. And so this thing of, of, of overestimating, of getting confused about whether or not we have right standing with God 
is a really important question. And, and so, so this weekend, I want to ask you a really important question. This is a question you might have heard before. It was a question that I was asked when I was just a teenager and first considering the claims of Christ. And it's simply this, just, just, just this. If you were to die in this moment, and you were to stand before God in this moment, and he would say to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? What would your answer be? What would your answer be? Well, 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 here's the deal. There are four behaviors that we can do, listen now, that will fool us into thinking we are in right standing with God when we're not. Four behaviors. Now, now the first behavior is, is, is those times when I have trusted my own goodness and my own spiritual effort. That is to say, you know what? I'm a good person. I do good things. I come to church. I, 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 you know, put some money in the plate. I, I help out, you know, uh, charities. You may do a job that's a very important job and is very benevolent. You may volunteer your time and you may get the idea that, you know what? My goodness is what will put me in right standing with God. We say things like this all the time when we talk about people at the end of their life. They were such a good person. I'm sure they're, they're going to go to heaven. But at the end of the day, the Bible couldn't be more clear that, that, that it is not our good works, it's not our goodness that's going to get us to heaven because the only person who was good enough to get himself to heaven was Jesus. I remember when I was a younger pastor, and I probably didn't have all the tact that I needed at that point, there was an older lady who I was visiting, and she was just filled with a lot of anxiety about dying, honestly. And, and we were talking about it, I'd pray for it, I'd pray for peace. And, and, and she one day said to me, oh, pastor, I just hope I'm good enough, that I've done enough so that I can get into heaven. And I said to her, I remember this because she was so shocked, but it ended, story ended good. Um, um, she, 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 she said, and I said to her, well, I've got some bad news and I have some good news. The bad news is you haven't been good enough to get into heaven. You haven't done enough. You haven't earned your place. That's the bad news. But the good news is you don't have to earn your place. Because that's what Jesus Christ is all about. He came and died on a cruel cross so that we could have our sins forgiven. And it's not about what we do, it's about what he's done. And I was able to pray with her and speak peace with her. And this was a woman who who died in peace. Now some of you say, you don't understand, Paul. I've done the spiritual stuff. I've done the religious stuff. I've been baptized as a baby and some are being baptized today. But these folks aren't being baptized you know, to get right with God, they're getting baptized because they are right with God. They're not getting ready so that baptized so they get to go to heaven. They get baptized to celebrate that they're on their way to heaven. And some people will say, you don't understand, I got confirmed or, or, or I go to church. Listen, there is nothing that will keep people out of heaven as much as religious practices that we think will make us righteous. Because our own religious efforts will actually keep us out of heaven if we put our faith and trust in them. So so trusting in my own goodness and my own spiritual effort, that's one of the things that will fool me into thinking I have right standing with God when I don't. The second thing is, is that I have never taken sin seriously. You see, there's a really big problem we all have. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if there has ever been any overwhelming evidence for anything the Bible has taught, it's that, right? 
That we just have to look into our own heart. We just have to look into the world and see the overwhelming evidence that, that we have all fallen into this thing as sin, as a corporate people, and as individuals. And here's the deal. We joke about it. We make light of it. I like to compare my sins to yours. I feel like yours are worse than mine. We do all those kinds of things. But here's the deal. Until we reach the point that we recognize that our sin has killed us, it has separated us from God, and we start to hate it. We don't want to dabble in it. We just say, you know what? This sin has killed me. And that every problem that we actually have, every real problem we have in this world and in our life, ultimately can be traced back to the sins of humanity. Well, then, all of a sudden, sin becomes this great problem. And because this thing of not taking sin seriously... You know, we've got this thing where, you know what, we joke about it, and and we don't really realize how sick we are. And when we realize that there's nothing we can do to make up for our sin, there's no religious ritual we can do, we, we recognize we're hopeless except for the incredible good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ came to take away our sin. And when we put our faith and trust, again, not in what we do, but what he did, our sins are forgiven, and we are no longer a slave to fear or to sin or to death. We're children of God. That's the great exchange. But if we never take sin seriously, salvation's not going to be that good news. Some of us have the perspective, of course I'm going to be going to heaven. I'm pretty awesome. They'd be lucky to have me. We might not say it that crassly, but we just kind of think we're good enough. And the cross is the strong medicine that speaks against this. And so it doesn't work to trust in our own moral effort, our own spiritual effort, and it doesn't work to not take sin seriously. The third thing that will fool us into thinking we have right standing God when we don't is that I wanted Jesus to save my life rather than be my life. Let me say that again. I wanted Jesus to save my life rather than be my life. That is to say, you know, if I just say this with a fire insurance crowd, I'm going to pray a prayer, and, you know, maybe on my deathbed, I'm going to just real quick say, God, I'm sorry for everything. You know, one of those deals. But here's the deal. The salvation that Jesus offers has to do with a thing called repentance, where you turn away from your old life and you exchange it for the new life he's given you. And so so if somehow or another, you know, your thing was, I want some Jesus on the side, like I'm ordering dinner, rather than, Jesus, I don't want you to simply give me life. I want you to be my life. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to determine how I live. And, and if, if your experience of finding salvation in Christ hasn't, like, changed everything, you might want to take another look at it. You might want to do what we just read, test your faith to see whether it be real faith. Because here's the deal. Repentance is simply this. It's a changing of the mind that says, you know what, I was going this way. And you know what, that way is going to lead me to sin and death. I'm going to go this way. And I, I'm just going to have struggles. doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it means that things have changed. And the evidence of the change is kind of evidence in my, my, my life. I, I live different. I talk different. I walk different. I still have struggles. There may be even some inconsistencies, but I am not who I was. Jesus has changed everything. And so, so if that has uh, not happened, then you might be fooling yourself into having a wrong, of not having a proper proper standing with God. And the last thing that would keep us from not having proper standing with God, is that I have never put my full faith and trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, that I recognize that my only hope of standing before God in any way is that Jesus Christ died for me. See, I believe he really lived and really lived a, a sinless life. I really believe he died on the cross, and he carried all of my sins on that cross. 
all of my shame, all of my worst moments, my pride, my lust, my greed, my, my, my selfishness, the way I treated people. He had all of that nailed. The, 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 let me just say, the Bible says this, the punishment that I deserved, the wrath from God that I deserved was poured out on Christ. And so what he did on the cross provides forgiveness for me. And I really believe he lived and that he rose from the dead. That's what these wonderful people in the blue shirts are celebrating. They're celebrating that, that Christ was, was there living and, and he died and they buried him and he rose from the dead. And just like Christ, when we follow Christ, that's what baptism symbolizes. Standing in the water with my old self, the old person dies, is buried, and a new person comes alive. And, and it's a celebration of a spiritual transformation that takes place when we say, Jesus, there's nothing I can do. You are my only hope. I'm not going to try to be good enough. I'm not going to try to get, make it up. I'm not going to get religious. I'm not going to make some big promise. I am hopeless. I am powerless. You are my only hope. I have no plan B. You know, uh, there was a, there's a fellow in the Bible who understood this a lot. His name was Saul. And Saul was a guy who thought he was right with God. He thought he was righteous. He thought he had proper standing with God. He was a Jewish guy who followed the rules. I mean, he went to the temple when he was supposed to. He sacrificed the right things on the right day. He dressed the right way. He ate the right food. He hung out with the right people. He knew the Bible. He had memorized the first five books of the Bible, and that includes Leviticus, which I think is commendable. I mean, have you read Leviticus? I mean, he memorized it. This is a guy who lived, and other people and said to him, that's the guy. That guy has figured it out. He is all in. He's a young man, and older people would say, man, this guy is going places. God's got, he's got to be one of God's favorite. Look at how religious he is. But the apostle Paul tells about his story, and he said, you know, the problem is, I was doing all this external religious stuff, thinking that I was good enough, thinking that I was religious enough, but when I looked inside my own heart, I still found things like coveting. I wasn't supposed to covet when someone else has. And I looked and I saw greed. And, and I looked and I saw lust. And I saw anger. And I saw that although I had this outward, you know, religious facade inwardly, I was just this horrible, sinful person. And so I work harder and I try more and memorize more scripture. And I was doing everything I could to work to get a proper standing with God, thinking that God was wanting more. And it was about what I was supposed to do. And he writes about it in the book of Philippians. He says this. He says, if anyone thinks they have reason to put confidence in their own fleshly efforts, he says, I have more. He says, I was circumcised on the right day. I was part of the right people, the people tribe of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew among Hebrews. In regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. That is, he was as a teacher. As for zeal, I was so zealous, I persecuted people who were part of the church who are not part of the Jewish faith. As for logistic righteousness, that is following the rules, I was faultless. He says, but whatever was my profit, he said, I now consider loss. So any of that effort, he said, was a gigantic waste of time. In fact, it was incredibly dangerous because my faith and trust was in my effort and I was just, it, it, now I consider it lost. He says, what is more, I consider it a big pile and literally in the Greek language, it says dung. Kind of a cruder word than that, but it is church. So I'm not going to say it, right? 
So whatever my effort was, is a big, terrible, empty thing. He says, I have lost all this. Now listen to this. Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them nothing compared to Christ. I have found in him a righteousness, not a righteousness from my own or from following a bunch of laws or rules, but righteousness that is through faith in Christ, a righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And he says, I want to know Christ. See, God had to literally knock Paul off the horse one day, and he had to totally do a reboot. He had to bring him to the end of himself, where he recognized all of that self-effort was empty and broken. Now, there's this other guy by the name of Paul. So God changed Saul's name to Paul, by the way. And there's another game named Paul. He grew up up in Superior, Wisconsin, Souptown. And, and he uh, was a very religious kid. From the very early time, there was callings of God, there were senses of God, and he had this understanding that, you know, I want to be a person who seeks God, and, and, and I just want to, you know, be one of God's favorites, so he worked really hard. So he went to church, even when his parents did, and he, he was a leader in youth group, he followed the rules, he was one of the good kids, even when he, sometimes it was a bad kid, but, but he was a good kid a lot of the time. But if you would have asked Paul at that time, hey, are you good with God? Say, yeah, I'm good with God. See, I was, I was baptized when I was a baby. Just like Paul was circumcised. And you know what? I follow the rules by and large. You know what? I follow the religious rules, you know, First Communion and Confession and all those kinds of things like that. I got all my religious rituals and all my religious ducks in the row. And yet there was something incredibly missing because inside of him was this emptiness and this longing and this frustration. And, and there was a day in my life when, when, when I started recognizing that there was something profoundly missing in this. I did not know Christ. And all of my self-effort was keeping me from knowing Christ. My self-righteousness was keeping me from knowing true righteousness. And I went and had a, a meal with my pastor. And I told him all this. I told him, I said, you don't understand. I said, I read my Bible. I lead Bible studies. I pray. I do everything. And why am I so miserable? And he said, I think I know where you're at. And he opened up to the passage I just read you from the Apostle Paul. And he talked about the difference between self-righteousness and God's righteousness. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is the Apostle Paul. Dude wrote the Bible. So if he needed to forsake all of his self-effort to come just in brokenness to Christ, how much more do I? And I left there and went home, and I remember kneeling by my bed, and I just remember praying a prayer that said, pretty much, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I, I have messed things up. I totally give up on my effort. You're my only hope. So here's the deal. When I get to heaven, and Jesus says to me, the, the Father, rather, on the throne says to me, so why should I let you in my heaven? I don't know this is how it's going to work, but if it does, i got a plan. <laughs> he says to me, why should I let you in my heaven? I'm going to say to him, Father, I have broken all your rules. I have been full of duplicity and dishonesty. I, you, you, you had 10 commandments. I broke them all so many times. I, I, I messed up. But Jesus, your son, who's standing next to you, said that if I put my faith and trust in what he did for me, then you would let me come into heaven. And, and, and the father will look at the son who's at his right hand. This is what it means when the Bible says Jesus is at the right hand of God. Said, son, is this one of yours? Yep. It's one of mine. I know him. I know him. Talk every day. 
His life's been changed. Look at his life, Father. Whole thing's different. He's not perfect. He's so far from perfect, Father. But look where he was. I mean, come on. You know? And it wouldn't be, oh, he's a pastor, he's this, any of that. That's all my, that's filthy rags compared to knowing Christ. And the Father will come down from the throne. He'll say, you are my son. You're no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of God. Welcome home. And it's not what I will do. It's what he's done. And so here's the deal for you today. Because it would be a tragedy if you left this place thinking you were in right standing with God, thinking you were going with heaven because you were righteous in yourself, because you had done some religious ritual, because, you know, you just think you're good enough and God will just let you come in, and you've never come to the point of the cross where you've grieved your sin, recognize how it broke the heart of God and how it has devastated your life in this world, and you have turned away from your sin and said, Jesus, I am coming to you. You've given up on your own effort, your own trying to make it up, your own guilt, your own shame. Say, oh, Jesus, you are my only hope. And you come to the cross and you cling to the cross. You come to Jesus and you cling to his feet. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ uh, is Lord, then you will be saved. And, and so for you, it's not about you doing anything. It's about a change of mind and a change of heart in following Jesus. And so what I actually want to do today is I want to give you an opportunity to actually get in right standing with God. I want to give you an opportunity today to take that step of becoming a child of God. And so what I actually want everybody to do is just want everybody to close their eyes. I want everybody to bow their head. And if you're here today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and the Holy Spirit is saying to you, today is your day. Today is the day where you turn away from your sin and you turn your life over to Christ. This is the day where you put your full faith and trust, not in yourself, not in your religious effort, not in what you do, what Jesus Christ done for your cross. It, it, today is the day where you want to make that exchange without anybody looking. I just want you to quietly just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you all. And I want you to pray this prayer with me and let this prayer be your prayer. Heavenly Father, I have sinned. I've sinned in so many ways. And I've tried to be good and I've tried to make up for it and I can't do that. And so what I'm doing is I'm turning away from my sin and I'm turning to you. I believe that Jesus really lived. I believe he really died. I believe he rose from the dead. And I put my full faith and trust in what he did for me on the cross. I believe that because of what Jesus did on the cross, you would give me forgiveness. And so Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, change me from the inside out, help the whole direction of my life to change as I put my faith and trust, not in me, but in you. I give up on my effort, and I just completely embrace you. Bring me to the Father. And Heavenly Father, I just want to be your child. And, and thank you that you have said that in Jesus, because of Jesus, I no longer have to live in fear. I no longer have to live in shame. I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And I just received this forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.